0: Welcome to the introduction for episode 111. I have Jason Lingren with me and Stephen John Miller. We're going to go over remedies uh, for the idea of the straw man, and I will put it right out front there. We've heard foundational ideas that have reoccurred in a very similar or nearly identical way over and over and over. So there is a basis for the things being said here. But I would point out, if you are a person out there who feels like you should better understand what to do if you are hauled in in front of the magistrate into a court situation, then you'll be interested in this episode. But I would point out even further, you need to educate yourself. Jason and I have talked to a number of people. We have done research on this for some time, and there is a foundational basis. But that does not excuse a person from giving themselves an education to be absolutely sure they understand what they are doing. If they're ever in a position where they're in a court or in front of the magistrate or, or any legal situation in this world, they need to understand what they are doing. Having said that, these episodes that we're providing lay down a good foundation for people who want to research it further and educate themselves. And I will state again, this is at least the third time from my experience, I'm not sure where Jason's at, where the same idea is being reiterated in a slightly different way on how one should conduct themselves. The idea of this episode was to get remedies, and we did have some challenges. We were talking to an individual on a cell phone in a camp in New Mexico through Skype, which made it challenging, to say the least. But people who stick with this will find there are some interesting things to know in this episode. Let's jump in with Jason and tackle episode 111. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast. This is episode 111. I have Stephen John Miller with me and I have Jason Lindgren. And this is going to be a very interesting show on the tail of the one we just did with Clint Richardson. This show is going to focus in a little more tightly on what is called remedies. Um, Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good
1: morning, Crow. How goes it in your neck of the woods, man? It's wonderful here. And I'm looking forward to this continuation of the very hot iron we were striking on last week. It's a
0: popular, popular topic. People are really into it. Um, they're researching all over the web. And uh, one of the most common uh, replies that I got from the last show uh, was basically requesting what about remedies? You know how, how do how do we uh, maintain a standing in society and try to free ourselves from the nonsense that is called fictitious law at this point? Anyhow, welcome, Stephen. Thanks, Joe. Hey man, it's really good to have you. Just so everyone listening knows, we're doing this in a new way. We're uh, bringing Stephen in via cell phone from a very remote location. Anyhow, Jason, I'm going to kick it straight to you so we can get in and start getting to the meat and potatoes here.
1: Absolutely. So Stephen, just for the listeners sake, why don't you give a little background on yourself and who you are and how you got involved with a lot of this straw man identity stuff and all the legalities and how that all works? Okay, Jason.
2: First of all, I'll digress and tell you, Quint Richardson is a master of the occult and these kind of things, just like you guys. And uh, what I do, I'm not so good at that. I'm not an expert of the uh, esoteric, if you would, but I do study law. I work for the uh, different agencies in the government. So that's where I come from. I'm there. Musically, I was recognized for holding the world record longest opera note. And you can listen to that in concert. And I was on coast to coast AM when the government started trying to kill me on a regular basis because I was giving out uh, legal remedies and also off-grid technologies I do. Uh, I left the system in 2011. I asked for a, a sign from the universe, if you would, uh, to stop driving cars again. Uh, I'm Mennonite, so it's considered a sin. But, uh, and I rear-ended a truck on the way home from Florida and totaled my car. So I didn't drive for three years. My mom bought me a car in 014, so I started traveling the country visiting people who had heard me on Coast to Coast AM and other radio shows who I help with child protective services and other legal issues, and uh, and that's where I'm standing.
0: So actually, Jason, I'm, I'm going to jump show. in here because Jason and I just had a conversation. Before we jump in here, I've got to ask, are the Mennonite folk mostly outside of the straw man identity or is this something that that uh, organizations or I, I don't even know what to call it uh religions like mennonites do they have to deal with the same problems we do or when they're born um do they not allow the straw man identity to be created uh good question and uh i
2: lived with the amish until 2014 i don't know if i go up there and hang with them and show them technology that we keep them off grid that they be allowed to use according to Proverbs and the Bible and stuff they follow and being Mennonite, they welcome me into the family, uh, all the way. And, um, so I work up there to escape all the chaos on these beautiful farms. Well, sadly they have birth certificates and I, and I was uh-huh. educating them on this. Hundreds of buggies would show up on uh, on their day off and to listen to what I have to say. I said, no, you all basically sold your children to the devil. Uh, unknowingly. So the, the contract is void initio, non pro tunk. It's it's irrelevant. You got to stick on the contract.
0: Stephen, let's just jump straight into it. Um, I, the main thrust of this show, I'm hoping, is going to be about remedies. How do people conduct themselves? What do they do when they're forced into situations? Uh, right before we began recording, you pointed out where you want to start. Um, let's start there. I'll hand it off to you in a second. But I'm also very interested in covering what does an individual do when they find themselves in front of the magistrate? But let's back up and let you kick off where we've, where you think we should. Well. The
2: Amish people
0: were very upset
2: obviously by this information that this birth certificate basically signed them over into maritime and uh, you know, they were actually acting against their own child and declaring themselves incompetent, but they wanted the remedy. I gave it to them in like five minutes and then they were happy and it works. Okay. So, because they have to have the consent of the governed. Okay. So going to the court, you're in the law of the land or the gallery where all the people are sitting on the other side of the wooden fence or the bar. Okay. And they call your name, your, your artifice. Okay. You, you'll you notice every gravestone since the 1870s is all capital letters. Okay. So you're a dead man. They call that name and you would stand up. I'm here for that matter, but I never authorized the name you called out to be used in commerce with the corporate state of Indiana or add your state now you can add whatever you want from here because I'm going to give you a lot of stuff okay but here's what I do is there a verified claim before this common law court is everyone sworn in because nobody ever swears in because these are article one inferior courts under military law jurisdiction and they're using presumptions against you and because you're ignorance of the law under the ignorance canon we'll get into the canon and all that later but they're presuming you're you're an enemy of the state they're presuming you're a military officer or you're an attorney at law or you wouldn't be in there in that court. So you need to rebut these presumptions. If you're arrested or whatever happens, cause things happen, we can get arrested. Any of us, you need to immediately file a counterclaim, ignore what the charges act like you're not hearing anything. Like when you watch Charlie Brown and that the, the teacher would talk and all the kids would hear is wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. That's what, you're, that's what you want to just ignore them and stay on point.
0: Are you saying that the first step is to ask, is everyone sworn in? Is that the starting point?
2: Yeah, I'm here for that matter. I never authorized the name you called out to be used in commerce with the corporate state of New Mexico. Is there a verified claim in this common law court? Is everyone sworn in? You just checkmated them. You don't need to go touch your hand in the Bible or go any further Because they're done. Now, they will use uh, intimidation tactics to get you to approach the podium for the defendant. Okay, say, well, are you requiring me to do this, to participate? I'll approach under threat, duress, and coercion. And the judge will say, "Duly noted.
1: So let's be really specific here, Stephen. When you're walking into a court, this is under maritime admiralty law right off the bat. This is what you're saying, right? Yeah, you got it. Okay, so a lot of the information that's already been floating around out there, that part of it is accurate. You're saying,
2: "Mm-hmm." Admiralty is the police officers under the Lieber Code, Section One, Article Eleven, under uh, drafted by uh, Lieber under Lincoln General. His name is slipping my mind, but you just Lieber. Uh, you can look him up. Uh, give you all my resources. And Section One, Article Eleven says that these officers, judges, and mass magistrates shall be treated harshly for doing anything and contrivance for their own personal gain against the people. That's us. Okay. So they're approaching your home. Let's say they come to your home. We got a complaint. You're growing marijuana in the backyard. Okay. I plead guilty. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? because these guys are full of crap. I mean, I'm just saying I, maybe, maybe that's true, but what you're going to ask these police officers, can I see the complaint? Well, it's an honor. No, can I, I need to see the complaint and who bonded it. Everything must be bonded. Not, not a general bond, one for indemnity.
1: What does that mean? Let's explain that, Stephen.
2: If I'm going to put a, a claim on you and try to sue you in civil court because I'm walking around the administrative remedy into a judicial setting, I have to put up a bond. In case I lose, your damages are covered. They're in violation of the Due Process Clause, Fifth Amendment. So you have to put a bond up. Nothing's ever bonded. They say, well, we do have a warrant. They pull it out of their bulletproof vest. Say, like, well, let me see it. It's not signed by the clerk of the court. There's no bond attached to it. It's irrelevant.
0: That's going to beg the question. So there you are talking to a police officer and, and you look at the paperwork and it's not right. Uh, what do you do if you point out there's no bond here? This isn't correct. And the police still continue oh, down yeah. the same path.
2: Oh, no, no, they, they won't. They'll do their little chicken dance and get on their little shoulder harnessed uh, a radio receiver and they'll be dancing in a circle. And I'll say, get the district attorney on the phone right now. And I want your supervisor out here right now. You're committing a war crime. You're here using threats, intimidation and harassment against a c- civilian population in violation of 18 us code two, four, one, two, four, two. This is a 15 year felony. Most of them will get off your property immediately when you say that, because they're scared to death. It's so one thing about cops, they're afraid of the actual law. And if you speak relevantly and competently in a, a prosecutorial manner, they, they can sense it. I'm respectful, though. I'm very respectful. Say, guys, you know, I love you and everything, but you're not going by due process here. Motion to quash. This will be thrown out. You'll never hold a job in them ever again.
1: Now, of course, things aren't always so easy where you can speak with them. What if uh, it's, it's more of a violent altercation where they're coming in, kicking your door down and saying, all right, we know you're growing plants, you're under arrest, they throw you up against the wall and drag you off, no matter what you're saying.
2: You're fine. You're going to be hurt. Our egos and so forth. And it's very, it's like you've been raped. I mean, absolutely the same thing. I mean, I mean psychologically, on a Freudian level, you've been raped. So it's very painful. And that's why they do it that way. So when you when you're thrown before the magistrate and what's called the arraignment process, the arraignment process is completely unconstitutional because the witnesses never appear and the whole thing is a fraud. Where's the jury? Who bonded this action? None of this paperwork has an, a, bond, a bond attached to it. You'll be out of there in you know, a day or two, and they'll never bother you again.
0: Stephen, I want you to go one more time, clearly and concisely. So you've been arrested. They kicked your door down. They drug you off. They threw you in jail. Now you're in front of the magistrate. Mm-hmm. Very clearly and concisely, explain what how a person can conduct themselves at that point. Okay,
2: and I've done this actually in uh, shackles and everything. And uh, you know, uh, I think you have me in the wrong court. Is this a District Court of the United States—that's what the Constitution calls for—but they're going under the United States District Court, small U.S., and and none of them are legitimate. Okay, I will need to see every officer of the courts' oath and bond at this point. You've kidnapped the wrong man of the Miller Family Association. Where's the witnesses? Where's the jury? And and they'll be dragging you out by now. But they'll get you the hell out of there within twenty-four hours. And they'll make all these bogus, extraneous court dates and, uh, you know, and then they'll just drop it. They're psychopaths. They can't admit they're wrong. So be kind and talk slowly to them. They want respect and love. They didn't get it as a child. So that's why they are in the uniform of the black robe of the brotherhood, the Saturnian occult. There you go. It's the brotherhood of Saturn, the black robe.
1: Bingo. Now, would you say, in your honest opinion, that the nice person in the black Saturnian robe actually knows what's going on and, of course, is never going to let you in on the secret until you start challenging it like you're describing?
2: No, you're exactly right. I've listened to you guys on this stuff, and you're, like, among the top, okay? So I'm not that's not my profession, that's yours, but you're really good, and I know that's why I listen, but uh, most of them don't know. It depends on the size of their bond. A lot of judges or magistrates are are appointed by an actual elected official, but I can destroy that because they're not going by any of the, the, the election laws or rules. Most of them do not know.
0: So, Stephen, see, this is where I get confused if, you know, we've all seen the clips of things like the natural man getting basically a a judge to give up. The magistrate gives up, bows, leaves the room um, where he commandeers the court. But how is it possible that a judge uh, could be sitting up there and you go in and state the things you've informed us to state and that judge not be aware that truthfully, um, admiralty law is what's being exercised in there? I, I don't get that. Isn't it a foregone conclusion that they have to understand that? Well, you would think so, but these people, I mean, I'm
2: digesting back to their childhood. They are raised by predominantly liberal state worshiping, you know, order followers that the state is God. So they're reading article three. Okay. Well, wait a minute. We were given all this authority over you and you're saying the 11th amendment took it off of us and it did. So they committed fraud on the people not the persons or individuals, okay? And they said, well, we're going to use Title 50 United States Code under the United States federal law and say there's a state of emergency and now we have all these special rights that we weren't born with, okay? That's what they're doing. And they really believe they have the special right because we're under a state of emergency, we're under martial rule. So that's why all the cops have guns and tasers and, and, and chemical weapons because we're under martial rule. And, oh, my God, that's a whole nother hour. You know,
1: when would that have started the Marshall rule? Oh, under Lincoln. So this started as a result of the civil war. Yeah. Then they tried to
2: convince the slaves that the 14th amendment applied to the people They're, No, you gave up all your rights and we've given you benefits and privileges like owning a gun. Now we're just taking that privilege away slowly and incrementally. No, the 14th amendment only applies to government officials, period. And because they waived their immunity, under the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, became offshore statute merchants, and all this applies nothing to us. You owe them nothing. If somebody's made a claim against you. They're the ones. It's just like if you claim Jesus existed, the burden of proof is on you. No difference. And that, and they know this. The canon law, the Pope, the the only people that have jurisdiction in this country uh, for criminal law is the Vicar General or, or the. Uh, so if you go into court and you say, you know, and you you can do it a hundred different ways because they're so full of holes. It's like saying, you know, Israel is God's chosen people. The only thing holy in Israel is is their stories. Jordan Maxwell stole that from me. Okay, because <laughs> so, I study this stuff incestuously. Okay, and it's all full of holes. So as long as you have some kind of an a, an argument that's less than two paragraphs in in court. When you're in the law of the land there at the gallery, you stay in the common law. But once you go into like five paragraphs, you're getting extraneous and superfluous, and you're going to find one of the rules that permits them to throw out what you're saying as extraneous and unintelligible.
1: All right, so let's get back to when you're standing in court and you're standing before the judge. What's the first thing you should do?
2: You know, when you're sitting out there in all these little wooden seats next to your fellow patriots and they're all being charged with complete BS victimless statute crimes. Okay, that's the law of the land or the the gallery, okay, behind the bar. When they call your name, you stand up. I'm here for that, man. Now, now you always say the same thing. It was child support. Once they force you to come to the podium under threat, duress, and coercion and you say, well, I'll approach under threat, duress, and coercion, then you ask for your property to be restored as a child don't use the word children that's maritime they own the children they don't own your property and this even goes into the 14th amendment and of course the constitution the 4th amendment etc they won't deprive you of life liberty or property without due process due process is the most important word you'll ever use when you're filing a notice or a requirement uh, under the you know it looks like a motion but it's not due process So you're saying, I want my property restored and they will, they freak out when you know this stuff. Now, if it's there for a criminal charge, your neighbor said, Oh, he's got weed in his yard and the cop showed up and you know, they won't arrest you though. If you say the right stuff, they're listening. They know your IQ. They're not very smart, but they're trained how to know smart people. And when you, if you talk in a prosecutorial manner and ignore whatever the complaint is, they're going to get the hell out of your face as quick as possible.
1: Have you seen that happen? Oh yeah.
2: All the time. Anybody that I teach and you've got to do it with fervency.
0: If you act like I just learned this on YouTube, they're going to walk right over you and tase you. And it's very scary. Stephen, I want to get on the record clearly and concisely as an episode that's about remedy here. Let's pick up right when a person is standing there at the wooden fence in front of the magistrate first time. Let's very concisely break down how they sh- can conduct themselves to avoid all this nonsense. Okay. Uh,
2: and I'm going to give you the, the, the supposition uh, that you're pulled over. You've got your children in the car. You happen to have a half a joint in the ashtray and maybe some Vicodin in your purse that your sisters or whatever. Okay. And you're not aware enough or studied enough to keep them out of your private conveyance. Okay. Which is consumer goods. They have no authority over, but but let's just get all past that. Say you messed up. You're afraid. Now they're in your car, they're stealing your kids. Okay. And now you're in jail. Okay. Like an hour later, and then they're going to take you into arraignment, which is completely unconstitutional. Remember that I'll give you the, the ins and outs later. So when you go into that arraignment and you're all tied up in shackles, okay, like a slave, you are, most people are, you're going to say, I never authorized the name you brought me in here with to be using commerce with the corporate state of whatever state you're in.
0: Steven, hold on there. That is the very first words out of your mouth is I never authorized you to use the name you're using for commerce in whatever state you're in. Absolutely. Okay.
2: Is there a verified claim before this court? Now let me explain what a verified claim is. It falls under the Constitution that no warrant shall be issued okay, without proper oath and affirmation and a probable cause affidavit. And law and the judges call an affidavit a jurat certificate J U R A T. Okay, J isn't John. Jurat certificate. And they, they use Sir William Blackstone for a legitimate jurat, which means there must be two third party witnesses. They must go by the rule of law that we've all agreed on which is okay. If, if I've harmed somebody, they need to go before a competent officer under oath or affirmation. Okay. And take their, their verbal testimony and put it in the writing. That's called an affidavit, but there must be two third party witnesses. Otherwise it's a hearsay. It's all hearsay and conjecture. That's why you're doing the things I'm telling you in court. So you stand up. I'm here for that matter. If you're already in leg shackles and they say, are you Steven John Miller? Uh, Sir, now be kind to them. These are mental cases. They have guns. Sir, I'm here for that matter, okay? under forced and in- duress and threat, but I never authorize the name you're using to used in commerce of the corporate state of New Mexico. I presume you have a verified claim, which is called a valid cause of action, which means that there's a human being that can show he's had harm, loss, damage, or injury, a violation of his rights. And you can prove the court has redressability. The reason that being is because these courts are inferior and a lot of them don't have redressability and they don't. They they never have had criminal jurisdiction. It doesn't exist anywhere. Only the church, the vicar general, or the ordinary can hear any criminal claims. That's kind of scary if you think about that statement. That's a fact.
1: Now the reason why you're doing this in the first place is because the entity that they are charging is the straw man, correct? Like they're trying to do this from using Maritime Admiralty Law and they're coming after your straw man, not you the person. Is is that why you're you're going after this in the first place? Like just right. so we're really clear because the, there's so much obfuscation and confusion about how this really works. The reason why we have you on is to just be very very specific and try our absolute best to define all of this stuff so people Hear this and be like, okay, this is starting to finally make freaking sense.
2: Yeah, exactly. The situation. I'm going to keep repeating the same things about court, so it'll get into everybody's brain. And of course, they can rewind it or you know download it to their tablet or like like I, like I do. But the most important thing is to understand where all this started under Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War and freeing the slaves, which was a joke. They enslaved everybody under the Fourteenth Amendment. But it's based on the presumption that you're under licensure. That's why they gave us all licenses, okay? Because we're doing business with the with the belligerent ones, and that makes us under this code an enemy of the state because there was never a ceasefire declared between the unions and the federal government. We're still at war.
0: Well, stephen, let, let me ask you this. Right. We see all these clips yeah. on YouTube of people being pulled over by a police officer when they're driving their car. Uh, many of them- right. Uh, refuse to open their window and they say, this is not a car, this is not a vehicle, this is my personal conveyance. Can you address how an individual should conduct themselves when they find themselves in the yeah. position of having yeah. been pulled over yeah. by a so-called peace officer?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, leave your window up. Don't Unless you got weed in the car, okay, or something they can smell, that's why they did this because if you have both windows down, the, the, it'll waft out into their nostrils and they'll say, well, now I have probable cause. And then the canines will show up, but if that's all irrelevant once you learn what I'm trying to show you. But, but still, yeah, if you got weed in the car, yeah, only crack the window like four inches and say, hi, I'm only traveling. Am I free to go now or are you detaining me? And stick on that. And they'll either turn you loose or they're going to say, get out of the car. And if they do it, do it. Get out of the car. It's under duress, threat, and coercion. It's a, it's a 15-year felony what they're doing. And I will teach you how to exact that charge on these a-holes.
0: All right. So Not so hard. then I'm I'm assuming if you get pulled out of the car and you end up in shackles, you've kind of already outlined what happens by the time you make it to the magistrate. But one more time, reiterate, I'm driving in my car. You're, you get pulled over and you're just going to state that you're traveling and you're going to ask the officer, am I free to go or are you detaining me? Right. Because
2: it's a custodial
0: arrest, which is
2: unlawful. Here's the juxtaposition, Okay. They're sitting on the side of the road, stalking you, making legal determinations when they don't have a bar card. So right there, that's a violation of their fiduciary duties. Black's law, fifth edition, I think page 563, definition of a trustee. So you got them right there. It'll be motion to quash violation of fiduciary duties. How did you make a legal determination that I'm in commercial traffic, 18 U S code, subsection 31, Definition of a motor vehicle. This isn't a motor vehicle. Why did you declare an emergency on me, in violation of the of the uh, motor vehicle code, emergency motor vehicle code? You can only declare an emergency if there's a bona fide emergency. My tail light is out. That's not a bona fide emergency to terrorize the public. That's a felony. You're taking a paycheck under oath. These are facts.
1: Now, most police aren't going to understand this. In my opinion, I, I very much doubt that they're going to understand what exactly you're on about, and they're probably going to take it as far as they can, especially taking you under arrest.
2: Well, I I would disagree at this point, because I've been doing it myself on the internet, on radio for a better part of 10 years, so they know it. This goes into psychological warfare and Freudian psychology. You're dealing with children with guns. They're a four-year-old with a gun. Mommy said it's okay. You're hired as a police officer to violate other people's rights. As soon as you start speaking law in a calm manner, you're calm. Your hands are visible. You're giving them whatever paperwork you have available. I do. Now they're not fixing to shoot you. You want to survive? It's a, you're at war. So you want to? Oh, hi, sir. You know, I don't. I don't tag my motorcycles. So I get pulled over all the time. I just hand him my insurance and my state ID. I said, Oh, here, this belongs to you. I tell them that immediately. I said, yeah, you're right. They know what's going on, dude. Say, listen, I don't want any trouble with you. I'm just traveling. You know, I need to be on my way. Are you, are you detaining me? And I'm really just nice about it. And I win every time I had two tickets, one in Washington state, illegal camping. Well, the cop no, knew me though. And, uh, and then one on in through Peoria, Illinois, my he- tail headlight was out and it was a sheriff. And, uh, I just told him, Hey, you know, I, I studied law. I don't want any trouble with you. And, you know well, let me see if I can fix your light just because of what I said. And I was calm. I didn't, you know, I turned on all the lights in the car and I was kind and friendly. That's how you win against Nazis. You don't get an attitude. They got all the power. You got to be asymmetrical. They're ready for a head-on collision, dude. They'll win. They're in a freight train. You're in a Volkswagen, Jetta. Okay, so you got to be asymmetrical. Go around the path, take the path of least resistance. You'll win every time.
1: Okay, so getting back to court. The worst happens, they take you away, and all that sort of thing. So when you're standing before the judge, and you said the first thing to bring up is everyone sworn in. Yeah. What does that mean, though?
2: When you stand up, they call it the corporate art of vice on your license. Stephen, John, Miller, you know, and they're looking all around, right? It's all intimidation. And I stand up and say, hello, uh, I'm here for that matter. I never authorized the name you called out to used in commerce the corporate state of New Mexico. I'm presuming there's a verified claim before the court. Has everybody, has everybody been sworn in? Now you just turn that, law, you turn that court into a common law court of record by doing that.
1: Right. What, what does it mean when you're asking them, or is everyone sworn in? Define that.
2: Yeah. These are inferior courts created time to time by, by Congress, but they were hijacked by the federal government because they took federal funding. So they lost their citizenship and lost their authority and lost their immunity. So that's who you're dealing with. So that's why when you say the things I'm telling you to say, you're separating yourself from the corporate artifice known as the U S government, which is all district of Columbia criminals. You don't have any representation there, <laughs> none. Okay. You're just you were just born in America and all you know is you're traveling and um, everybody sworn in. Now they're going to hum and haw and make all kinds of noise. You've never seen sociopaths act so just angry because you just checkmated them and their own corporate artifice. They have the burden of proof to prove jurisdiction over you. Yeah, they have jurisdiction in the court. That's their court. But can they hear the subject matter brought before the court, which is by a guy posing as a police officer? He's not a police officer. None of these guys are. Not the city municipal cops, not the state cops, not even the sheriff. They're not appointed, they're not elected, and they're not commissioned. So you put that in your file that your rights were violated a man approached me, Officer Jones, posing as a police officer in violation of law compared to, put CF colon, that's Latin for compared to. Compared to your own codes, basically, so you're not using them in violation of the law, because they're all copyrighted to Canada. Okay, compared to 18 U.S. Code 912-913. That's the
0: end of your case, because their witness just was impeached. Let me cut in here, Stephen. Yeah. So you're saying when you okay. make the statement in front of the magistrate that you've reiterated a couple times here, and then you ask, is as everyone sworn in? What you're in essence doing is clicking that court over from trying to push their admiralty law over to a common law situation. Am I getting that right? Yep, exactly
2: correct, dude. You just said, I'm a man, and and, 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 I'm, and uh, I was going to go a little further in this, but you nailed it right on the head. And I go a little further saying, I require leave of court. Okay. That means I demand to leave this court so I can properly answer because you're, you're being arrested out of your car. Okay. The average person might, that might happen to. So this is where you need leave of court. You walk outside the court and you write three sentences and the whole thing is over with. You got to be able to answer the court, but you don't want to answer the court verbally ever because the rules of Ori Tennis, Ori, O-R-E, Tennis, T-E-N-U-S, Everything you say is presumed to be accurate, true, and correct. They can find you in contempt and perjury. So you want to go outside the court and write a simple letter. That's all emotion is. You're just writing a letter to the court saying, Hi, my rights have been violated. You can do it just like this in pencil. I'll give you a pencil and paper. Okay, the witnesses aren't here. There's no jury. You just list about 10 things they're doing wrong, which is, takes me three minutes. Write two copies if you have the wherewithal so you're not ambushing the prosecution. These are little secrets. And then they can listen to that. Now they're going to reschedule and say, well, I say, you need to ROR me. Okay, I do my own cognizance My my
0: word is my bond. And they'll they'll, they'll torment you for a day or two. And then they'll turn you loose. And then they'll just dismiss the case. So, so wait a minute here. Let me make sure I've got this straight. What you're saying is once you have... Asked if everyone's sworn in, and you have apparently stopped the admiralty law push, clicked the court over to common mm-hmm. law. You actually leave the premises, go outside the premises, write the note. Then how does that note? They'll send you down the hall with a police officer or one of their peon uh, bailiff,
2: and you'll just write it in handwriting. Only a living man can file a counterclaim.
0: So how does that get back?
2: No, into the, 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 the a bailiff will take it from you. You know, make sure the judge gets that. And make sure the the prosecutor gets to read it as well, and, and not by their want to own ambush
0: prosecution, by their own yeah. rules, the bailiff has to accept that and has to admit it, right? Absolutely, you're protected under their own administrative. See,
2: here's the whole thing, Crow, and Jason. They're going around the administrative process that would free all the people immediately. That's why it's there, and they're going right to a judicial setting. So they're sending a militarized force in violation of posse comitatus to your house or your private uh, conveyance and they're dragging you into court without any due process. You've already won. Just learn the due process, write it in a letter. That's the definition of a motion. Um, uh, if you do it uh, typing, well, that's parliamentary. That only applies to government officials. So that's why they'll throw it out as unintelligible because you don't have the permission to, to write motions.
0: Let, let me ask you this, Stephen. Sorry, There's well. been a lot of talk about this idea, and I'd like to get your take on it. Is it true that the prosecutor in these courts is required to bring a checkbook with him? Have you ever heard anything about this? Yeah.
2: That's why they want you to take responsibility for the name, so he can throw his check in the basket.
0: So explain what happens. Yeah. Explain what happens when that checkbook has to get used um, explain to the people okay. why why the prosecutor brought the checkbook and what happens when the prosecutor loses.
2: Well, whenever you were arrested, that created what's called a bid bond. And until you take responsibility for the that, uh, violation of statute, the prosecutor who's pursuing you, bringing forth the charge, has to cover anything that you deny. So he's got his checkbook out, but he does have a bond through uh, uh, fidelity.com. Most all of them are bonded through there. It'll cover that check, you know, in the event you don't come back after them. And if you sue them, then he's 100% liable. So that's why you ask him, hey, none of this stuff's bonded. I'm not talking about bonded generally. I'm a bond for indemnity for this exact action. And that's how it works. And boy, they freak when you know all that stuff. they going get you the hell out of there, dude. Well, you sign this civil infraction and we'll just turn the whole thing loose. They'll okay, do so under the rest. So sign it, get the hell out of there, sign it. four corners rule, put four little corners around where you sign, which is the same as UCC 107, formerly 1308. And that's the end of it because you're not taking responsibility, you know, without prejudice. That's what the judges sign. I don't know anything on this paper. I'm not taking responsibility. <laughs> so I'm signing it like this. That's what you're going to sign. So you're doing the same. You're just using their own stuff against them. Wait a minute. You know, you're violating this, that, and this, and the other thing, and the, the, your officer's not even an officer. You see what I'm saying? These are all called defects. If you find the defects within the charge, you'll win every time. And and chalk as little as possible. I'm here for that matter. Never authorize the name you call out to be used in the corporate state of Rhode Island, or, you know, or, I'm sorry, uh, of New York. Is there a verified claim before the court? Is everybody sworn in? And now listen to the choking and coughing and glasses falling off and and they're going to defer and distract and just ignore them. They're going to say, well, we're going to reschedule this, Mr. Crow, for uh, December 29th and blah, blah, blah. Say, denied. Am I free to go now or are you forcing me to participate? People will listen back to this, dude, and they'll get it all in one concise argument, I hope. And that's, that's really it. Just Now, you stay on that from now on. If they're violating your rights ad nauseum. You can put in your writing, I'm going to file a federal tort Action on all administrative officers involved under standard form SF 95 to the sergeant at arms, and you go through what's called in government quality control. You contact the mayor, attorney general, etc. Okay, the, the, the governor, and then, and then and then they'll all reject, and then that goes to the sergeant at arms, and he says, okay, their immunity's gone. You can have their house. That's what SF 95 is. And that scares the hell out of them. And so uh, we've been winning in court to the point where the judges have told the police officers, put all your property in somebody else's name immediately. Cause we're winning on that level. So it feels good, dude. Yeah, I, I'm an old guy. I'm not much older than you, Crow, but I'm not in good as health as you. And I've had cancer and all kinds of problems. And I didn't want to die without seeing the people, my brothers and sisters having some kind of wins. Yes, he's
0: monstrous. Before I hand it back to Jason, I would uh, estimate that maybe you should take an interest in the Gerson method, uh, a proven cure for cancer. But anyhow, back over to you, Jason.
1: Now, Stephen, when you're saying all this, what you're doing is you're coming after them in a civil way because you're saying going after their property and everything like that. Is that because they're violating you as a free man and you're now coming after them financially because they have completely violated you and you are not, you are you are deliberately divorcing yourself from the maritime system,
2: right? And we're and I am bringing them in under criminal charges under the common law, uh, which the Constitution covers that very eloquently. No, they're going down for criminal charges as well, because they re- see they lost their immunity under the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act when they signed up with the United Nations. They waived their immunity uh, as being a foreign agent, so they are definitely under the criminal code. Not us, them. That's why 18 U.S. code, 241, 242, using intimidation threats and to exact statutes on us. And if you read 241 and 242, these are massive felonies. Well, how do you get to these guys? The clerk of the court, she's trained to protect these monsters and she doesn't know it or he, they don't realize they are the Supreme court officer in these inferior courts. So here's something very important. So when you file against these monsters, okay, and you get your notary to notarize your paperwork, that's half proof. You need to go to the clerk of the court. She's the boss of all the notaries. Say, ma'am, would you please verify this notary is legitimate? And here's my paperwork. Now she's going to stamp your paperwork with a really big stamp. That's full proof. Now you got a Supreme Court officer as a witness. Only a living man can file documents.
0: Let, let me ask you, Stephen. Um, you're saying that after you've done these things, um, these people are basically in violation of the law. Um, how come they never end up getting busted? We get busted all the time. We get drug in before the magistrate all the time. We lose, you know, the average okay. per person you ever meet could lose a civil case, a criminal case, any number of cases that are brought. So I've got to ask, um, you walk in, you get yourself out from under the admiralty law push over into a common law situation. Then in fact, isn't that a demonstration that not only your rights have been violated, but the laws, the true laws of the land have been broken. And if that is correct, how come we never see any of these supposed officers of the court paying the price? Well, uh, you're not
2: going to see it. And I'll give you some good news. Uh, I'm answering the, the last question first. We're putting them in prison every day. Police and judges, Google it. Police sentenced to, judge sentenced to. We're winning every day. The system's collapsing. We know exactly what we're doing, and we're winning every day on a massive scale. Whole police forces are standing down at this point. Google it and look. I don't hate to use the word Google. Google's like Satan, but, you know, use InQuicks or Duck, Duck, Go or something. But just look. We're winning every day, uh, but they're not going to put this on TV because the Golem troglodyte husks that rule, you know, they're called American citizens nowadays. They don't want them to
0: learn this. Their slavery is
2: coming to an end.
0: If, say, say, I will take the time to look it up. So a judge is sentenced. Okay. What's he, what's he being sentenced under? Is it common law? Is he being sentenced under the admiralty law? He was trying to, to cage you. No, well, he,
2: he's, under, he's under, no dude, he's under federal law. Federal law gives sentences. It's 15 years on these things you're doing to us, P- putting a false claim on me. You're trying to represent me in a, in a judicial capacity. You don't have any right to do that. Show me where that, in your own rules, it doesn't exist. They're just, so, they've are just totally
1: hijacked our government. I'm sorry. So, sorry.
0: so wait a minute. That, so federal law, that's a form of admiralty law, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. And what they're being prosecuted for is assuming your free status. They're trying to take control of that. Because what they're really trying to do is trick you into accepting the charge against the straw man, correct?
2: Right. What they're doing, they're using threats, coercion, and harassment, intimidation, under color of law, in violation of the 18 U.S. Federal Code, Federal Law, 241-242, and then impersonating an officer, that means an officer of the court, and which they're claiming to be administrative, and they're not, because they're not following election rules. If you look at their oath and bond, and that's my next step, If they demand they come to the podium I say, I'll do so under threat, arrest, and coercion, but I'll need to see every oath and bond of every officer of this court at this point and your tax ID number and your employee ID number, etc. your articles of, of uh, incorporation. This is the stuff they don't want to hear. There's it scares them to death because everything they've got as far as paperwork is completely contrived. <laughs> this isn't legitimate. Your stamp's not legitimate. This warrant's not signed by the clerk of the court. There's no oath or affirmation with a probable cause affidavit. It goes on and on. I went to the sheriff's office in uh, Lasalle County, Missouri, to get 13 children, and I know that's a, a number they're going to all call out the trolls. That it was 13 children uh, released from the sheriff's office that were taken at gunpoint, and it, it was five minutes because I had law with me and scared them to death. As if you do this again, I'm bringing the U.S. Marshal Service down here. And I, and I will get a warrant from the attorney general of your state. Cause I have valid cause of action here. That you're stealing children without any due process of law. You mentioned the word due process, a chill goes up their spine. That's real simple. Due bloody process, the right to face your accusers. The constitution says the right to a speedy trial, uh, and then it has a comma. And of course, by jury shall not be infringed, but they try and go around the comma. Saying, you want to waive your uh, jury trial? You can't waive a right. So if there's no jury there, you've won. Uh, And and that's why the the arraignment process is BS, because there's never a jury there or witnesses, okay? That's where you just won. It's fine you're in a a uniform shackle. I've been there a few times. You just won. So where's the jury? Where's the witnesses? I never authorized this. (laughs) That's how much power you have. But most people go in there like, uh, Devolve slaves and say yes I, I think I understand the charge but I they try to explain themselves and then you just explain yourself into probation at least you're the one in charge uh, but they don't want you to know that
1: so what you're trying to do is make sure that you are not accepting responsibility for the straw man that they are charging is that basically what this comes down to when they're dragging you in there what what they're trying to do is get you to accept what they're saying to you, and therefore they can treat you, the physical person, as the the paper person. Correct?
2: Yeah, it's called being a surety. Okay, and Proverbs, you know, prohibits this. It says, "Be not a surety for a stranger, lest ye shall smart for it." So they're violating their own canon. Uh, they are under the 1611 King James Bible, of course, in 1998, uh, Herbert Walker Bush signed Noahide Law into law under Public Law 10. So we are now under Noahide Law. So any thought of Jesus Christ is an executable offense.
0: That's in law. Now, how come nobody knows this but a very few Let me jump in here, Stephen. We're getting close to the top of the hour, but I want to just address some basic things here. So, you know, you're talking about bringing the Marshal, U.S. Marshal, to do something about these people who are operating under the color of law and doing things Mm -hmm. to human beings out in the society. Why is it allowed to happen? As soon as four or five judges go to jail— wouldn't it be pretty clear that every other judge sitting on a bench is under threat, that there is a good chance that enough people are hearing the things being said like we're doing here, and they'll walk into a courtroom and do a similar thing? Wouldn't every judge in the land, if the, these things were accurate, start to feel a bit under threat? And for that matter, why does the U.S. marshal sit around and, and just do nothing and watch children be taken? Um, these, these are some of the questions that I think about as I'm okay. listening.
2: No, I can answer these. No problem. Number one, when it goes to judges, there's hundreds put in jail every year. Okay, hundreds are put in prison or jail or or removed from office every year because of people like yourselves and myself. So we're winning, but we need to ramp it up. Now, as far as the U.S. Marshals, that's a corporate service. They're basically like militia. You fall under militia. So if you call, like I did in Rhode Island, actually right where you're at, I called the, because these monsters sold this retarded people's child because they have mental problems. So I called the U.S. Attorney General in your state there, Rhode Island. Sheriff Mack knows all about it because we got in a big fight over it. We're not friends anymore. I said, I want a warrant right now facts to the U.S. Marshal Service in Rhode Island. They're waiting. because for what? I said, for stealing children without any due process. This is kidnapping. And you guys can't make a dragnet. It drags innocent people into your system. That's the problem. You make a dragnet, you end up catching the dolphins and the whales too. Oh, I understand. Let me call you right back. Believe me, they work for you. The problem is that the average person has not the wherewithal or gumption or intestinal fortitude to go after these bastards. He was ready to issue that warrant as well. No, I got the whole story and they want to talk to you. TPS. So he put a CPS agent online with me on the phone. He well, sir, they really have problems and we, don't, we We will, I said, I want to know every second that child, where he's at and every detail. So I protected the kid that way.
0: I said, well, I, you're lucky I'm 2,000 miles away. That's what I told him. Let, let me ask you this very specifically. So I'm drug before the magistrate. I walk in there, I say, I didn't give anyone permission to use that name. I'm here for this matter. Um, I gave no permission for that name to be used in the corporate state of wherever the heck I am. Is everyone sworn in? Right. I, and I walk from that situation. So let me ask you, has that judge committed a crime against me? Has that bailiff? Absolutely, Crow. And,
2: and uh, you file through the United Nations. They have a complaint form. You file through the federal tort action under... Uh, standard form ninety-five. It's called the Tar Baby Doctrine. Okay,
0: Steven, Just, cut right there. I'm okay. sorry. We I'm sorry. we run hour one on a radio okay. show, so I have to keep it okay, to an dude. hour. We're going to remember where you left off on the Tar Baby. We're going to bring hour one to a close. Jason, we're so close, I don't have time to to have you add anything in here. I'm going to bring hour one to a close. We're going to pick up hour two right at the Tar Baby idea. So that does bring episode 111, the first hour to a close. At the posting of this episode, there will be 111 free hours of content at crow777radio.com. No login is required. If you choose to become a member, you're in fact supporting free speech as the black-eyed beast of censorship here on social media is constantly glaring at us. Anyhow, there it is. First hour of 111. Hope to see you all at Crow777radio.com. Cheers. Okay. So I wanted to do a wrap up on episode 111 here. Um, We've now talked to a couple people back to back about the straw man identity. Jason and I don't feel like we're quite there yet. We've gotten a lot of good information and it's tough to get through some of this episode. We were talking on a cell phone uh, to New Mexico on Skype and it made communication difficult uh, as we kept stepping on each other. But nonetheless, we'd like to go out and find another supposed expert in the field of the straw man ID and get more information. There are some concise ideas in this episode on how to conduct yourself. If you're pulled in front of that priest of Saturn, the Magi, the Magi straight, what do you do when you're in that position? If you listen carefully... There are basic foundational ideas in this episode which are not mutually exclusive. We've heard these ideas expressed before in different ways. There is a basis. If we go back to Clint's episode, which was the last one, I almost view that as a more spiritual approach. I'm not talking about religiosity here, but a spiritual living human being who chooses not to participate in fictions. Then we get up to this episode, it's a little bit more about a person existing in this fictitious world we live, but how do you get along? How do you prevent yourself from being abused by the fictitious systems? Nonetheless, as I stated, we want to find a bit more information on this and present it out, and hopefully we can add a little bit more value. But I've said it a couple times. People need to understand what they're doing if they find themselves in a legal situation. Don't just act because you heard something on a podcast or you read something on a blog. I can vouch that the ideas laid down in the last couple of episodes are reiterated over and over and over in similar but slightly different ways that there is a basis for these ideas. But you must understand what you are doing in these positions. In this episode... I asked, if you get in front of the magistrate and you make it perfectly clear that you're not sure what to say, but you do not want to participate, can you still get railroaded? Uh, I'm not satisfied that I got the question answered because I kind of suspect that you can. If you do not understand how to conduct yourself and what language to use, I think you, in fact, could be bullied or coerced into a situation you don't want to find yourself Anyhow, thank you all for participating and being here. We'll see you all next week. There it is, man. Cheers.